Welcome to The Geek and Review, a podcast focused on innovative and creative ideas in the legal industry. I'm Marlene Gaybauer. And I'm Greg Lambert. This Thursday, September 15th, Greg and I are going to be the final act at the Legal Information and Knowledge Services Conference, or LINCS, sponsored by HBR Consulting. Along with Don DiGilio, we'll give an overview of the day's previous sessions. One of those sessions is a keynote presentation from today's guest, Axel Fleming. So we asked Axel Fleming to come on the show and give us a sprinkling of the secret sauce that she promises to discuss at Thursday's event. We had a great discussion with her about what she describes as intentional leadership, as well as how that intentional leadership combines with wellness to create a more balanced approach to not only accepting and embracing change, but actually embodying change. So I really enjoyed talking with Axel and appreciate her actually letting me tell one of my dad jokes during this discussion as well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But first up, we have another crystal ball answer from one of Marlene and my good friends, Mark Gediman of Alston and Bird. So let's take a listen at what Mr. Gediman sees in the next two to five years for the industry. And then we'll jump right into our discussion with Axel Fleming. My name is Mark Gediman, and I'm with Alston and Bird, pulling out my well-used crystal ball. I, I, I see a few things going on. I see a greater emphasis on support of uh, business development activities within law firms on the part of the library. It's simply because of the skill set that librarians bring. You don't find those skills often in marketing and business development groups. In addition to that, uh, I'm seeing an increased interest from academic librarians who want to incorporate business development and competitive intelligence concepts in their prepared to practice business of law courses and curriculum, which I think is, is, uh, is an interesting development because, you know, a lot of the law school people we see fresh out of law school are not conversant with what's going to be expected of them when they hit the law firm. In terms of librarianship, I see that pipeline is problematic. Of of people coming into the industry? Of people coming into the industry, whether it's from library schools or law schools. Neither one of them is promoting librarianship as an option you know in every industry you have a group that ages out and you need to have that new fresh talent coming in to replace them and if you don't have that there's a huge gap but i'm seeing that librarians uh even though over over the past uh maybe about five years ago they weren't all that respected, well-respected right. in law firms. They, they were the first to get cut during 2009. Their ranks were decimated. Now I'm seeing that trend reversing. I'm seeing that, there's a, that, that librarians and firms are being held in high respect as a cost-effective resource and that those positions and those jobs are becoming more secure. And if that happens when people are retiring, we're going to need people to fill those slots because they will exist. I wanted to go back to your comment on business development and being integrated into the law school curriculum and people reaching out to you. 
what can law firm librarians be doing to maybe even be proactive and find out if at their local schools something's going on or maybe at their alma mater and they could they could help or put that idea maybe in someone's head at the law school that this is this is a skill set that's lacking from people coming in to be to be practice ready well you know at the local level you've got your local law librarian chapters and those include law firm and academic and government librarians all in the single group so when you go to those business meetings when you're having those conversations with people bring it up ask them what they have and if they if you can help them with that task with that need that's been my process uh, in, in fact, today uh, I was in a program and uh, the person next to me didn't know who she was, mm-hmm. but uh, it turns out she was a, a law librarian at a law school in Utah. And she had heard about the support that the competitive intelligence group in AAAL is offering to academic librarians and asked for more information, more detail. If a a local librarian would like to do that at the local level, they are more than welcome to reach out to the to the AAAL CI caucus and we can support that. Uh, We can provide them with materials and uh, give them some advice on how to craft that 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 program. And it's not a big program. You're, You're basically offering to come in and do an hour presentation. Right. So. Okay. Well, Mark Gediman, thank you very much for coming in. Well, and thank you for having me, Mr. Lambert. Absolutely. My pleasure. We'd like to welcome Axel Fleming, Director, Organizational Development and Training for HBR. Axel, welcome to the Geek in Review. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be with the both of you today. We are excited to have you. (laughs) We are. We are. So Marlene and I are going to be speaking at the second annual HBR Legal Information and Knowledge Services, or LINCS, conference. So we wanted to bring you on and cover some of the topics that are going to be covered at LINCS. And Axel, uh, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about your involvement in the LINCS conference and what you're going to be covering in your keynote speech. Absolutely. Well, it really is an honor to be on both links and this podcast. So um, I, I am very, very honored. So my involvement in links, I have been in the legal consulting world for all of my professional career. And so uh, my sweet spot has always been, or the calling I like to call it, because I am not a legal law librarian. I am not an attorney. But as a, as a business consultant, I had been called into the legal space from the get-go, right out of business school. And through that journey over the last decade plus, I worked within large law, both in the United States as well as globally um, and internationally around strategic change management. Um, and so any sort of large, complex strategic change that a law firm wanted to do, that was my sweet spot. And why was it? Because I actually love the challenge of real sustainable change. Um, and I also love to challenge and be alongside leaders that are embracing that change as intentional leaders. 
For Thursday at Links, I've been asked to talk about that shift that we're in right now as not only in the legal industry, but the world at large from embracing change, where we accept change, no change is supposed to happen, know that we have to do it, to embracing change, which is this element of real, we're in now, we're in, we have to embody the change not just embrace it. So we will unpack that together on Thursday, and I will um, engage the group on our own little change challenge, which will be exciting, uh, at least for me. <laughs> yeah, change uh, challenge and law firms just go hand in hand. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's, that's why true. where my calling came from, right? <laughs> that's it. That's it. If any industry needed your help, it's us. Aww. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I've learned so much because of that, Greg. Um, I think, you know, in reflection of when asked to speak and really my purpose in, in what I do, at not only HBR, but for our clients is to a platform to develop, to partner, to coach um, leaders, to be intentional leaders, because with intention, change can happen, but it, it change doesn't just happen on its own. And so it is an intentional journey, which is a part of the ecosystem of how change actually happens. So we're going to talk a little bit more about intentional leadership uh, later in the podcast. But uh, right now, Axel, I want to talk about you. <laughs> uh, so you've described yourself as someone who was a hard-charging business leader in your career. Uh, however, you found that the lifestyle has its downsides, both mentally and physically. So can you give us a little bit of background on your career and what changes that you needed to make to make sure that you protected your well-being in business and in your personal life as well? Ooh, we're going all in, right? All in. There's a lot to unpack there. Yes, there is. <laughs> so Take your time. <laughs> deep breaths. Um, so that hard charging business leader, like I already skimmed the surface in order for us to be an impact in the world in any sort of change, it does start with ourselves. And so my journey out of business school, um, into the consulting world about 16 years now was one that was very focused on end goals, results, hitting the mark and continuing to climb. And again, like I mentioned earlier, my passion around solving problems, complex ones, and working with people has never changed. That has always been why I entered consulting and why I continue to do what I do today. But through that journey, as I'm sure you both, as well as all your listeners know, that's called a about a 70, 80, 90 hour work week. That's when we don't okay, yeah. sleep. We don't take care of ourselves. On top of that, we may throw in some children for some of us, right? Me, there's three. <laughs> we then throw in um, a ton of soccer practices and a lot of school uh, motherhood stuff, which is a ton of different titles. Alongside the fact that we're traveling because pre-COVID, that was the world we lived in, which was on a plane or in an airport and constantly on the move. About six years now along my journey, and I'm going to cover the secret sauce of a lot of this on Thursday. I'm just going to throw in that little teaser because I don't want to give it all here. But on Thursday... Just sprinkle in a little spice right now. That's right. Yeah. yeah. About six-ish years ago, I hit a wall, both personally, 
emotionally, mentally, physically, and professionally. I hit that wall that told me that my trajectory was no longer sustainable. And oftentimes change happens when you do hit a wall, either personally or organizationally, when you no longer can move forward as a department because it's just not working, right? And you can continue to try to, we all continue to hit the wall a few times, if not a hundred plus times before we say, okay, Something deeper has to happen here. And so I always like to the analogy of a headache, right? Because that's, that's a common thing. And so the first level of change is let me pop a Tylenol, right? So let me pop a Tylenol. That hits the skim of the surface, the symptoms of something deeply rooted. And so maybe you get, you know, years in and that Tylenol is actually no longer working. So you start to investigate, okay, maybe it's my water intake right? Maybe it's that water intake. Let me get it up to eight cups, 10 cups. Oh, wait, no, no, it's my weight and my, oh, oh my goodness, I need to get out for a walk more. And oh, that helps a little bit. And so we continue to move down that change and reflection path. And again, that's a personal one. It happens within organizations and teams as well. But um, six years ago, I did hit the wall and And in that moment, as a true consultant, I said to myself, I can sit here and skim the surface or I can go deep because at that point, it did hit a point of critical life situation. And so I had to sit back in that and say, as a true consultant that I am, am I going to skim the surface and just simply cut costs, let's say, (laughs) or am I going to get deeper to find where the inefficiencies are? where the true healing needs to happen, where the true clog in the whole system is. And I went deep and I went deep. And that's where wellness came a part of Axel's mantra and where I do believe as an intentional leader that wellness not only plays an integral part of being a leader, but it is now more than ever before an an essential foundation of how we show up as leaders. And so that's my journey. That's my journey. And and here I am six years in, Through that journey, I became a certified leadership coach. I became a yoga mindfulness teacher. I then became, um, I I then got a, a ton of other certifications because of this desire to learn first about the root causes of where I was headed down an unsustainable path and how I can recreate or realign my own life. And that is why I do what I do today in the world of ODT, organizational development and training. I want to just say thank you so much for sharing that story, because as as someone who who has hit that wall, <laughs> I can really understand how hard it is to do that digging deep that you're talking about. And I'm really looking forward to hearing your story at the conference. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like how you took your experience consulting others to kind of consult yourself to really look at and understand there are some band-aids we can put on this or we can start looking at you know what's the core issue that we need to look at so i want to go back to you you started talking about intentional leadership and want to dive a little deeper into that so how do you advise professionals and i imagine you do mostly with legal professionals now 
when it comes to intentional leadership, and, and can you kind of describe exactly what you mean when you say intentional leadership? Intentional leadership is a leader who owns their purpose, period. So, and when I say that, an intentional leader actually can be a college kid who owns the belief that creating community within their college is their purpose. So they're going to create a club and initiatives and be that owner of that purpose. An intentional leader can be a mother who owns that my first role is to provide a safe and loving home for my children. That's my purpose. Or it can be a business executive that says my purpose is to ensure that this law firm is healthy and profitable all at the same time, right? And so the purpose is actually one level deeper than a goal because a goal can be profit, revenue, clients. A goal is tactical. But when you get one level deeper to one a leader's purpose, that purpose defines how they will get to that goal. And so an intentional leader is very clear on their purpose, not just for themselves as a leader, but for their organization, for the team they lead, for the department they manage, because they own it. And a part of this definition for me, too, is throughout my career as a consultant, and working alongside some incredible leaders in the legal space on strategic change. What I noticed was that when a leader truly knew what the purpose was they were trying to achieve, they went to that level of execution. And so what do I mean by that? If a law firm wants to save money, and that's their goal. And their purpose is profits. All the action and their decisions revolve around that purpose. There is no right or wrong with purpose. It's about being clear about it. And because when you're clear about it, then your actions and your ownership over what you do day to day is not only consistent, it's rooted in something deeper than that day to day pull of this world's a million emails, fires to put out, children screaming, <laughs> dogs barking, right? Because these are all things that pull our attention to other things that are grabbing our attention. And let me just drop in wellness for a moment here, because in the state of well-being, how this ties together for me and what I witness is when a leader, or let me just step back for a moment, when a human being by the way, it's our greatest asset in professional services, right? So our greatest asset is not the machine in the factory where we, we oil up and keep well. It's actually our people. And if that's the case, then their well-being is a part of their productivity, efficiency. The best way to have the best outcomes is through ensuring your people or our people's well-being. So well-being is, is four-pronged. It's mind, body, heart, and soul. So when a person's mind, body, heart, and soul is at its optimal and potential level, that means we got enough sleep, we ate and drank healthy foods, 
our mind is clear and we can manage or at least minimize stress and anxiety, which in this today's world, we are in 24-hour seven days a week, fight or flight mode. And in its simplest form, the parasympathetic nervous system is untapped when we're in the fight or flight mode. And in that state, we are unable to be creative, to be collaborative, to have conversation, and to be present because we got a fire to put out. And so this is how it ties into intentional leadership because without a leader being fully aware of their well-being, It hinders or it empowers them in this area of a well-being. That's the tie there for for what I've noticed, at least. Axel, I want to take you back to where you were talking about uh, the difference between setting your goals and knowing your purpose. One of the things that we talk a lot about in in the business world when when we talk about goal setting is to measure what matters, is when you're setting the goals that you have to set goals that you can keep numbers on. You can measure your success or how well or unwell you're achieving those goals. Do you advise your clients when it comes to purpose? Is that something that can be measured as well? Or is that something that's a little more, you know, uh, uh, personal, more um, some, something that you're, that you're striving <laughs> for rather than, than you want to measure? So, and, and in the business world, it's about the purpose is very in line with a mission statement. Let's call it for a second, right? And a mission statement, it is measured. So, and you hit it, he hit on goals as the, the smart goals, right? Um, specific, measurable, uh, um, achievable, time bound, right? So goals and mission or purpose. The critical thing here is the alignment of both because you may have goals you and, and so neither are, oh, let's chuck goals and let's just have a mission or purpose. Not so much because with just a purpose, you're a visionary. With goals, you actually execute against your purpose, right? And against your vision. And so those two coming together is what makes us leaders in what we do, because we do have to execute on that purpose or mission statement. So in terms of the legal world, it is about aligning those two. Because with alignment, then you clearly know the path on how one, and how you want your organization to get to that goal that is very specific, that is time bound, that, right, that is measurable. And when you can measure your goal, you can always then tie it back to measuring your purpose because the purpose may be, be the top five in the AMLAW 200, right? The goals are over the next five years, da, 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 Right. And then now those two align. That's the differentiation of the two. Axel, you know, you're talking about intentional leadership as being purpose. And if you're clear in your purpose, what you're doing, your goals and your actions are aligning with that purpose. But what happens in a situation where you're looking at strategic change in a broader perspective? So you may be very clear with your purpose and your goals, but that is going to impact others who may or may not be clear in their purpose or their goals, or may have 
different ideas about their purpose and their goals that maybe counteract what you're trying to do. How, how do you say, how do you talk about that in terms of strategic global change and, and empowerment? You know, how can that work? Mm, mm, We're going in for it. Here we go. (laughs) A part of being an intentional leader is having a clarity and ownership over the goal. Now, the other piece to balance this all out is also that level of constant self-awareness as well as awareness of others, the organization, the other goals, and other stakeholders in play. And how does this play into our ever-evolving, ever-changing world? Because an intention and a purpose that purpose may be consistent for for a time period, but how you evoke that purpose has its ebbs and flows, the levels of communication, the levels of collaboration, the awareness that other people have a different perspective and how that plays into achieving the goals is a part of intentional leadership because as an intentional leader, there are some key criterias or competencies, which include the element of collaboration, growth mindset, awareness. So I'm going to remove self because awareness is one of self and others. So that is being aware that my goal, my purpose is this, but what are the other people's goals and purpose and how do this align? So the alignment is collaboration. Growth mindset is that openness to learn more, that the, the, this idea that we don't know it all today. Although I know what my purpose is, tomorrow I may get a different fact, database, information, knowledge that helps me craft out how I'm going to get there that I didn't know yesterday. And so that growth mindset as an intentional leader is also critical and creates this wholeness of an intentional leader because, and and I love the call out here because the call out is if we only focus on our purpose, but my purpose contradicts with the organization's purpose or the team's purpose or the business purpose, how does that even work as an organization? The holistic part of that is as a leader, these foundational skills of, I'm going to throw in communication, collaboration, growth mindset, and that last one that just, just, just dropped out of my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Awareness. Oh, awareness. There it is. That, that, that magic button of awareness enables a leader to own their purpose in this ever-changing world and this million different perspective and stakeholder world where you've got to shuttle yourself through with intention and awareness. So that's making that concept whole. And okay, so I want to go back to the the wellness um, discussion that we had a little bit earlier, sort of wellness and intentional leadership. And it's, I guess it's similar to the the last question in that, how do we know that we're promoting the wellness that people need, number one? And, you know, what happens in these situations where we could be promoting an environment that recognizes wellness and embraces wellness, but maybe our people don't know how to do that. You know, maybe that they, they, they you know, their coping mechanisms are are ways that aren't promoting wellness. So, you know, you have people that are 
working, 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 working. I guess it's kind of a change management question again. Like how do we get people to focus on their wellness if that's not something that they naturally do? Through my journey as a teacher, I learned that we are the greatest teacher. And so when I say that, every change initiative begins with that leader saying to themselves, how am I showing up? How can I be better? Am I well? Am I levels of stress, anxiety, and being pulled in a million direction balanced? Because as a leader, and I am a student in this as well, because as we are all students <laughs> in this, I, for, I think <laughs> forever, forever until, until that very last breath, because as a type personalities who wants to conquer it all yesterday, we will always balance this battle of wellness ourselves first before we can actually be any beacon of hope for anybody else. And so that was my moment of realization as well, Marlene, in terms of six years ago when I had been advocating for my team and take some time off and don't work so hard. But who is actually the one that actually sent out emails at 10 p.m., right? <laughs> and who's still up thinking about what's what's on tap for tomorrow. So our ability to evoke change in the world. And I, you know, many years ago, I may have looked at this quote and had a little chuckle, but it means so much to me now than ever before, which is be the change we want to see in the world. Be the change. The first question to, you know, when I am asked those questions, Marlene, is first, how is your well-being? How is your stress level? It's that look in the mirror that I actually do to myself starting six years ago on a daily basis, because it is a daily balance and it is a daily challenge. It never becomes, oh, just because, oh, Axel's a mindfulness guru. Her mental health is at its fullest potential every day. No, I am challenged more now every day because I'm aware of how imbalanced I am, right? And so the ability to look ourselves in the mirror daily to say, what do I want to see in the world? Do I see it in this mirror first? And if not, what can I do about it? Empowering the self to say, okay, I want my team to be high performing, to be able to be efficient, to collaborate. How am I creating that for myself? for others, for the community, for the team that I work in. And that's really that magic question that we as leaders really have to ask ourselves if we want to create the change in the world we want to see. Yeah, I think that leads into my next question pretty well in that uh, I noticed on one of the blog posts that you did that you ended the post with a phrase that said, see you in the wellness gym. <laughs> and I really liked that really kind of stood out to me how you equate you know, wellness with an activity yeah. uh, rather than just wellness as kind of a thought process. Let's talk about what you are working toward when with wellness as an active process. What do you, what do you mean as wellness as, as an activity? I, I, I love it, Greg, because the brain is a muscle. And like every muscle in the body, we do have to work it out to get it to its peak position, state, and all of that. 
And so when I say the wellness gym, I do mean the whole wellness being. So very quickly, the mind goes into, oh, the 24-hour fitness, right? Like, let, let, let's go in and make sure we're on the treadmill. That is absolutely one pillar of wellness. And there is no disputing that, that if our bodies cannot physically get us up in the morning, get us to work, allow us to sit for 8 to 10 to 12 hours in a chair without our back hurting, we cannot perform at our highest potential. Now let's go to the next level, which is our mind. So our brain is a muscle. And oftentimes we are not, we in this world of go, go, go and the human doing versus the human being, we are actually not working this mind muscle in its balanced state. We are working one side of the brain, which is the fight or flight side, which is the side that says, I need to do, I need to get this done, I need to hit this deadline. And what happens in that fight or flight state is a focus. And again, there is no good or bad in this. It is about balance when it comes to the mental well-being. But the state of our, you know, legal industry is at critical levels of mental distress, mental distress and illnesses. The critical level is unsustainable. And we use that word so lightly in our day because we think we're just going to keep pushing through. We're going to keep hitting that wall and getting up. But the word unsustainable is that five to 10 years, and I know we've got the crystal ball later, but five to 10 years from now, if something doesn't change, it is unsustainable. And so the reality is that this mental workout, this see you in the wellness gym is about working both sides of the brain now. We've got to rebalance the fact that we are 24-7 in the fight or flight mode. The brain was created for balance because the fight or flight was to protect us from a bear that was running after us so that we could run. It shuts down our digestive system. It creates a tunnel vision, which is away from the bear and creates adrenaline rush so that your muscles can move as fast as possible. It numbs pain, all those things to provide safety and security. But let's just tap into brain science for a second and say that element, though, in our brain was created to be turned on, let's say, every month. Once a month, we need to run from a bear. However, in today's culture, we have created the bear as getting the kids to school, getting on this meeting, managing a calendar that has way too many meetings initiatives that are fires and every single initiative we actually work on is a fire. And so now we have created the bear as everything in our day-to-day lifestyle. And so the mental, the mental gym is to rebalance that and to work that side of the brain to work that muscle because when we don't lift the weights, Greg, right? When we don't, when we don't do the crunches, we aren't going to have a six pack. <laughs> if we don't work that side of the brain that is, that is very untapped in our society today, it gets weak and now we're imbalanced. 
And so we touched on the purpose side, which is the heart and soul of it, which is what makes us tick. And that also needs a workout. And we've touched on that on the intentional leadership side. But that's the wellness gym that I'm talking about. <laughs> well, now, of course, I'm thinking about how I get a six pack. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I was just thinking about how when you said uh, all of the list of the of what the bear is today, I'm like, uh, yeah, that yeah, check, check, check. Oh, Checked. man. I've, I've, I've got to look got at myself. Of bears. <laughs> now, now we have to decide whether they're like Kodiak bears yeah. or grizzly bears or black bears or teddy bears. You know, it's yeah. like, what, what, what level is it? So I love that. Um, right. How do we make our bears teddy bears? So they're nice and squishy and we can hug them when we want to, and we don't have to fight them when we don't want to. That then yeah. becomes intention. So this is where wellness ties into intention because once we're aware, we can intentionally choose. It is always a choice. It is always our choice. And that part is that owning part of the intentional leadership that we own what we believe to be the bear we want to fight today. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, now it's time for my dad joke, uh, Marlene. Uh -oh. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, go because, ahead. because you know, because you, because you mentioned what, what types of bears. So, uh, my, one of my favorite dad jokes is, uh, how, how do you tell the difference between a grizzly bear and a black bear? You climb a tree. If the bear comes up to the tree and knocks it down and kills you, it's a grizzly bear. If the bear climbs the tree and kills you, it's a black bear. So that's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> So I like there you that. go. Oh, yeah. So when one. you so when you were saying what types of bears, I'm like, they'll all kill you. Yeah, they'll all yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's they'll it. Kill they'll all kill you. Unless it's a teddy bear, right? Unless yeah, it's like, a teddy so bear. So let's right. make let's make them teddy bears. Yeah, let's we can, we can all hug, teddy bears. Hug them. You know, it would be really interesting to sort of have either a session as a consultant in, you know, in a firm or, you know, sort of doing it as a workshop at a conference or something where people could voice, you know, some of the challenges that they have, as well as some of the ways that they make their bears teddy bears, mm -hmm. um, because, and we don't have enough time to do that here, but I, I always think about that. Like, you know, we think we were doing things, but are there other things we could be doing? Are there other ideas that, that we might have? And, you know, are we touching all of the wellness points? I may be working out every day, but, you know, maybe I'm not taking time to sit back and reflect mm -hmm. as much as I need to. Mm -hmm. And sort of being able to uh, go through an exercise where you can kind of assess that uh, in terms of like, oh, where are my gaps? So anyway, that would be fun. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm betting Ax, Axel has uh, some of that for the uh, the uh, Lynx conference. Maybe she does. <laughs> Maybe yeah. she does. The magic sauce. I, yeah, yeah. Because it is all about a visceral experience, that reflection, that that ability to do it as an exercise that creates the one, the awareness, but also the shift in mindset. Because to your point, Marlene and Greg, you touched upon it as the bears is check, check, check. Well, without that awareness that actually the bears that are triggering our anxiety, overwhelm and stress levels is all those checked boxes. Okay, now our awareness, it's its like those antennas went up. And that's how powerful awareness. I always say in my um, coaching sessions, when those aha moments come, I'm like, you're 50% there. Because the minute the antennas go up and you're, you, you've, you've checked all the boxes to say, holy crap, I'm, I'm, something's running after me and I got to 
to stop this, right? Once you say that, now your awareness is up and now you can act with intention. And so awareness gets us 50% there when it comes to change management. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think I think that awareness cuz is is necessary in order to facilitate the change moving forward because yes, you're checking all the boxes and like okay, I'm checking the boxes, my you know, my stress level is down, I'm getting through it, but the problem is it's the same thing over and over and over and over again. It's a cycle and it doesn't change unless you are mindful about making that change. Yeah. I, I see a hamster wheel when you said that, right? Because unless we yeah. get off the hamster wheel, it keeps going and it actually goes quicker. And I'm going to cover a bit of that on Thursday as well of how the brain works in the same way as that hamster wheel. And that's the cognitive cycle. Once we get on that hamster wheel, unless we intentionally take ourselves off, it will keep rolling down the hill pretty darn quickly until again, we choose to get off or stay on until it hits rock bottom. Axel, we ask all of our guests to pull out their crystal ball and peer into the future for us. What do you see as some of the changes and challenges for the legal industry and for knowledge workers specifically in the next three to five years? All right. Well, the pressure's on over here, really, Marlene. Now, you knew this was coming. I did. I will give you guys that. You were intentional about placing that into my consciousness. Um, I'm going to be a true consultant, but I'm going to explain why. I'm going to say it depends. It depends because we are at a crudible moment here that it's going to take a collective effort to shift the ship at this point. It's going to take you, I, all the leaders that are listening in, including all the leaders that aren't listening in, to decide whether it's time to get off that hamster wheel or not. And collectively, we will have to decide, well, individually, we will have to decide, which will affect the collective movement of this ship, because it does take a village. And the fact of the matter is we are all interconnected and interdependent. Any leader that says they have done it all themselves and they, they, they have made it to the top because of, because of themselves alone is truly not a leader. And so as a leader, we know that it is a collective effort. So the answer of this crystal ball from this perspective of intentional leader and wellness is that it's going to depend. And the challenge is that we all question and ask ourselves, is this hamster wheel the wheel I want to be in for the next five years, 10 years, or is it time to get off and reevaluate, to change some things, to face some things that are difficult because I cannot believe I didn't call this out before. Change is not null of risk and discomfort. And until we're willing for some sort of discomfort to get to the other side, which the one thing I know for sure is that on the other side of some very dark days, the sun does rise again and it rises much brighter when 
you can see better, breathe better, hear better. And that's what I know for sure. And so five to 10 years from now, it rests on every single person listening in to this podcast. Are we going to change? Are we going to evolve and grow? Are we going to take the lessons in front of us right now and learn from them, reflect on them, shift and change them for the better of ourselves and every single person around us, whoever that might be? So that's my answer. <laughs> well, well, you heard it here, folks. It's basically <laughs> up to all of us to sort of shift our mindset and embrace change. So... <laughs> Thank you, Axel, for the, for the insights, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, we're looking forward to seeing you and the others at the Lynx Conference on September 15th. Yeah, this Thursday. Yep. Can't wait to see you guys, and thank you so much for inviting me and um, engaging on this challenge. It was great having Axel on here, and it kind of reminded me of a of a couple of previous episodes that we had when we were talking about mindfulness and, and being able to make sure you're taking care of yourself so that you can take care of others. And, and I'm, it was recently as last week's show with Olga talking about how she looks in the mirror every morning and sets her intentions uh, for the day to be her authentic self. We kind of paralleled that. And then it also made me think about when, when uh, Axel was talking about the health of, you know, your personal health that you've got to kind of take care of yourself first so that you can take care of others reminded me of our discussion with Jeff Ma and Frank Dana a few weeks back or with the Leading with Love uh, book. And so I think a, a lot of these stories that, in, that were being told by our guest over the, the, the past few months kind of parallel each other. It's kind of, kind of fun to listen to all of these. Yeah, it's it, it reminds me, I'll give you an example of this actually at work. So um, our one of our former guests, Sang Lee, she and I were, were talking and she recommended a book to me called The Artist's Way. And it's an old book and it's basically about releasing creativity. One of the exercises in the book is that you basically write three pages, you know, right when you get up in the morning and it can be anything. You could write blah, 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 blah for three pages. It doesn't matter. And it really just kind of opens your mind and just sort of, I don't know how to explain it, but it just relaxes you and you're just much more open to, you know, whatever is going to, to come to you during the day. And I mean, I've recommended this to other people already, <laughs> to like several people already. So that's the type of thing I think we're talking about here. It's like, you know, what do you need to do to kind of prepare yourself for the day ahead? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to Thursday for the HBR Links uh, conference. Um, I know uh, some of our listeners will be joining us uh, for that. You and I and uh, John DiGilio are going to be doing a recap toward the end of the day. So, uh, but I know we've got a, a couple of keynotes and some some specific topics that we're talking about. I'll have links on there. I think it's not too late to sign up if anyone is looking to continue this conversation. And um, I know Axel has a keynote. I think it's at 1.30 Eastern or, or 2.30 Eastern, one of those. Um, so I'm looking forward to, to learning that secret sauce that she kept uh, mentioning in, in the interview. 
exactly right. And um, I just want to say thank you to all of you for taking the time to listen to the Geek and Review podcast. If you enjoyed the show, share it with a colleague. We'd love to hear from you, so reach out to us on social media. I can be found at M on Twitter. And I can be reached at Glambert on Twitter. Or you can leave us a voicemail on the Geek and Review hotline at 713-487-7270. And as always, the music you hear is from Jerry David DeSicca. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Jerry. All right, Marlene, I will uh, see you on Thursday. All right, bye-bye. <laughs>